All right. Father in heaven, thank you for this time together um, as a family to read your word. I pray that you would enlighten us tonight, that you would open our eyes, open our ears. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Come and teach us. Feed your sheep. Give us nourishment. Help us do what's right. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. So tonight, I want, I'm going to read to you guys um, from James, and then we're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians. Okay? <clears throat> we're going to read from James, and then we're going to jump over to 1 Corinthians. And I would encourage everyone to read the book of James. Um, and repeatedly, over and over and over again, throughout your walk for the rest of your life. Um, James, James was one of the disciples that was a little brash, you know, he's a, he's a tough guy, he's a fisherman, he's a strong guy, he wasn't educated, and he was on fire for his Lord. And, and, and the way that he, the way that he dealt with his faith was very black and white. So I'm going to read to you from James four verses four through six. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. What does this mean? Basically, what it's telling you is separate yourselves from people who are unholy. Now, we have to work with people who are unholy. We have to work with people that are unrighteous. In fact, we have to witness. We are called to witness to people who are unrighteous and unholy. This is not telling you to completely, um, you know, lock yourself in a cave and separate yourself from everyone who's unholy. What this is telling you is don't be friends with them. Don't be seeking advice from them. Don't be going to them and involving them in your personal business or in your personal family. You're, you're not to be linked up with them in fellowship. God is a fiercely jealous lover. Think about this. If your man or your woman is unfaithful to you, she cheats on you, are you not jealous? Does, does not a burning anger rise up in you? You know, a person is capable of doing things when they've been, when someone's been unfaithful to them, they're capable of doing things that they would not otherwise be capable of doing. 
Thus, the entire legal term comes out called a crime of passion. It's a crime that people commit in temporary insanity when someone's been unfaithful to them. God sets his face against the willful and the proud. We rise up in anger against those who are unfaithful to us. If we are allowed to violate our covenant of marriage, if someone is unfaithful to us, what makes any one of us think that God cannot reject his covenant with us if we're unfaithful to our marriage to Jesus Christ? We have to remember that relationship always. We are the bride of Christ. It's strange to think about that, especially for the men. It's strange for us to think about being a bride. But we have to remember that this body is not who we are. And that in heaven there's neither male nor female. We are spiritual beings. And the spiritual being is bride to Jesus Christ. And when we are unfaithful, he also is tested in the same way that we're tested when someone is unfaithful to us. God is a fiercely jealous lover. The entire Old Testament is, is a love story. It's a crazy, flaming, ferocious love story. So I'm going to say this again because I want I want people to think about this and then we're going to go on and we're going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 5. If God allows our earthly covenant to be broken, if there is unfaithfulness in marriage, what would make anyone think that we won't be judged by the same measure with which we judge? We'll be measured measured by the same measure with which we judge if we're unfaithful in our marriage to Jesus Christ we run the risk of our unfaithfulness causing him to divorce us we run that risk fortunately we have grace fortunately our Lord Jesus Christ is not as petty as we are Because, man, we'd divorce somebody for kissing somebody else. But we're unfaithful to our Lord Jesus Christ all the time. All the time, over and over again. The second something shiny strikes our eye, or a new video game comes out, or some new entertainment, or a new friend comes along, we forget about our Lord and we chase after him. Or a new job and a fancy paycheck that he gave us that he gave us we forget all about him and we go chase the paycheck we forget the one who gave us the paycheck and we chase the paycheck it's insane now I'm going to read to you from 1st Corinthians chapter 5 I'm going to read it from the New King James 
and then I'll read it to you again from the Amplified. I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral people of this world or with covetous or extortioners or idolaters since then you would need to go out of the world. Don't worry. I'm going to read this from the Amplified and it'll become more clear. But I want to give you both versions. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or a reviler or drunkard or an extortioner. Not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging also those outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves that evil person. Now I'm going to give you the parameters of what all that means. What all that means is don't have fellowship with people that do evil, wickedness. Hang and, and then he corrects himself. He clarifies for him. He says, hang on. I'm not telling you to avoid people that are wicked who don't know Jesus Christ. Because if you do that, then nobody else will be saved. And if you wanted to remove yourself from every kind of wicked people, you would have to leave this world. You'd have to die and leave this world to get away from them all because they're everywhere. He says, what I'm trying to say to you is, what I'm trying to say to you is, those people who call themselves Christians who don't live like Christians, those people who call themselves followers of Christ, but are sexually immoral, they're drunkards, they're liars, they're thieves, they're blasphemers, they have no self-control, those people you have no fellowship with. He says, don't even sit down and eat with them. Do not sit down and break bread with them. Do not share your peace with them. We're all guilty of doing that, every one of us, because we don't want to be offensive. But you know what? Our desiring not to be offensive may end up being the reason why those people end up in hell. And we'll be, it will be made known to us that we had an opportunity to set an example that might have woken them up and brought them back to the truth. Let me read to you from the Amplified Version. It's much easier to understand. All my boys have Amplified Versions. I love the Amplified. Okay. Starting in verse 9, here we go. I wrote to you. This is Paul speaking. I wrote to you in my previous letter not to associate closely and habitually with impure people. I'm not meaning, of course, that you must altogether shun every kind of immoral people of this world or the greedy graspers and cheats and thieves and idolaters, since if you were trying to do that, you would need to get out of the world and leave human society altogether. But what I'm writing to you about is this. I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone 
who tries to call themselves a follower of Christ, a Christian, a brother, if they are known to be guilty of immorality, greed, or they're an idolater, their soul, their time, their lifestyle is devoted to anything that usurps the place of God. If they put anything above their dedication to God, anything, or they're a person with a foul tongue, they're abusive, they're railing, they're slandering, they use filthy language, they're reviling, or if they're a drunkard, or if they're a swindler, or they're a robber, no, you must not so much as sit down and eat with such a person. Why would you not sit down and eat with such a person? I'm going to tell you. Because when you sit down and you break bread with people, you open up a door. You open up a door to, to share, not only on a, on a food level, but you open up a door spiritually. When you sit down with someone who has demons all over them and you open up your door, what are you doing? You're just asking for an opportunity for the demons on that person to jump onto you. You're leaving the door open to an attack, to a spiritual weakness. Let me read the last two verses. Verse 12. What business of mine is it? Or, or what, what business is it of mine? And what right have I to judge the outsiders? I don't. That's for Jesus to judge. Is it not those inside the church upon whom you are to pass disciplinary judgment? So, so if anybody tells you don't pass judgment, so, so we can't even look at the people inside the church and see that that person is wrong, they're, they're incorrect. This is the clarifying verse right here. He says, don't judge the ones who, who don't know Jesus Christ. Don't hold any, any judgment against them. They're still learning. They're coming. They're being taught. Leave them. Leave the judgment of them to Jesus Christ, that's his job. But inside the church, we're held accountable for our brothers and our sisters' actions. So it's impossible for us to, 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 to mete out that accountability without making them aware of what they've done and acting in accordance with God's word. Note, and, and it says, passing censuring sentence on them as the facts require. In other words, censuring sentence is, brother, I know that you're doing this. I know that you're having an affair on your wife. I know that you're still using filthy language and that the fruits of your spirit are not where they should be. And until you get yourself right with God, I can't sit down and eat with you and there's no fellowship between us. It's not that I don't love you. I love you. But darkness can't have fellowship with light. God alone sits in judgment on those who are outside the church. And now here's the hard part. He says, drive out that wicked one from among you. Expel them from the church. So that person that wants to live in wickedness, you're not only supposed to disassociate but in, in, in the congregation, like, like this, our Bible study every night, this is our congregation, 
if there were one in our Bible study, if there were one in our Bible study who was insisting to live that way, then it would be our job to reach out to them and say, hey, you're not living right. That's wrong. We see all this right here. And until you decide to repent for that and get right with God, um, we, we, we can't have fellowship together. Paul was very black and white about the church. If you read First and Second Timothy, he gave very harsh instructions about selecting elders of the church and about raising up those who would, con- who, who would be in charge of the church. But I'll say this, all of the churches that Paul seated, the ones that he started, okay, they were all actively working in the power of God. They were all actively laying on hand. They were all actively uh, laying hands on the sick and people were getting healed. They were actively casting out demons. They were actively working in the supernatural power of God in our churches today or not. Why are our churches not? Because we've compromised. Because we've compromised and we've watered down our faith. We've watered down our doctrine. We've let the wolves into the hen house. The wolves are all over the hen house. We, we're, we're too afraid to ask any of them to leave. We haven't run any of them off. We haven't even confronted their sin, much less run them off. Most of us won't, won't, won't even come up and tell them that we know that they're living in sin. We just, we have to be sure that we're not being a hypocrite when we do it. Sometimes that stops us from talking too, because we know that we're not without sin ourselves. That we're still living in sin and we have secrets ourselves. So, so because we don't want our secrets revealed and, and because we can't face our own secrets, because we're not willing to repent for our own dirty secrets, or we, we don't want to confront anybody else for theirs. We have to face our own flaws. We have to face our own sins. All right. That's it for tonight. That's all I got. Let's say our prayers. Father, thank you for this time together to read your word, to study about unfaithfulness with our own unfaithfulness and the unfaithfulness of others. Please help us dial in our hearts to be focused on you. Help us be who you've called us to be. Please teach us Lead us, help us. Lord, we we pray for the leaders of our nation. I, (laughs) Lord, it, it looks dire and hopeless out there. But I know that you, you alone, you alone, you alone can change everything. In the blink of an eye, 
you can turn it all around. I ask that the wicked and the evil would be exposed, that they would expose themselves, that they would turn on themselves, that that none of their lawlessness would go unaddressed. That there would be justice. Father, I pray that the that the seats of the corrupt in our government would be emptied. I ask that you would take my children and raise up mighty men of God and fill those seats. Fill those places of power and that they would be faithful and they'd come forward with their Bibles in their hands. I pray that you would use this family in every way according to your will. I pray that you would open doors so that we can serve you in every way that you have called us. I pray that you would give us courage to go through that door when it's opened. That we would not falter or fail you. I pray that you would put your guiding hand over all of us and that we would live lives in accordance with your word. That we would live on faith and not our own designs and plans. That we would be righteous in all that we say and do. As we go to sleep tonight, Father, I pray that you would watch over us and let us not be led into temptation. Deliver us from evil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.